Listener Production. Brooke Boney and Linda Mariano's Dream Club. Hello and welcome to Brooke and Linda's Dream Club. Each week, we're swiping left to a lot of stories in the zeitgeist. But every now and again, we come across ones that are worth a swipe right. <laughs> Hell, even maybe a super like. And that's what we're matching you with today. The week's most important moments in culture. And this week, we're talking Blake Lively's Instagram blast to Daily Mail AU. And we're going to talk about sport, specifically sport during a pandemic. How and why is it allowed to happen while live music isn't? And we're catching up with Tones and I to celebrate her debut album. All right, Lindy, let's get into it. Yo, yo! Dream Club. Rookie, let's talk about paparazzi. <laughs> That's me and my oh, lens gosh. and my flash. Hide, guys. Get behind that bush. I want to talk about this. <laughs> I mean, like a oh, shrub, like oh, on the street, sure, like a man <laughs> coming out and, and taking photos, coming out behind right. the bush. Right. You know what I'm talking about. Mm. I'm talking about a big story that's been in pop culture this week, and that is that we are praising Blake Lively, who has accused paparazzi of stalking her children, and she slammed Daily Mail for publishing their picture without her consent. Can I just read you the headline mm-hmm. as to what the mm-hmm. Daily Mail published? Okay, so in true Daily Mail like expertise, this is what their headline was. Blake Lively proves to be a hands-on mum as she expertly wrangles all three daughters, James 6, Inez 4 and Betty 1 while out in New York City. Um, it's a long headline. It's a long <laughs> headline, uh, but I'm glad I know that Betty is 1. And um, this, so so did you see this, this photo that they published online yeah. of her? Well, I saw a version of it where the children's faces were blacked out. Not blacked out. They had like a smiley face emoji over the top yeah, of them. Yeah, they had emojis over because, the top. Because like James, six. We've never, <laughs> so I've never James, seen. James, comma, six. I've never seen, um, seen their face before. So like I don't really, I'm glad that they blacked it out or they smiley faced it out. I clicked that on the, the original article oh. and accidentally saw it and I felt... Did you not? I, I hope felt, you scratched your eyes out I scratched out my eyes out. I, I emojied over my eyes. I felt bad. You know, this is Blake Lively. Come on, her and Ryan Reynolds. They're a star Hollywood couple because they have so much love for each other. They always post about each other, but they never post about their kids. Mm. And they have kept their private lives private, which is, you know, a choice that you can make if you're in that celebrity world, you hope that it's a choice that you can make. I'm going to exploit my children if and when I have any. so ready. (laughs) Give me those free nappy campaigns. I've already reserved some uh, Instagram handles for them. (laughs) So, exactly. So, essentially, this Gossip Girl veteran um, hit back at the Daily Mail for posting this picture because what the Daily Mail did, and Daily Mail AU specifically, they posted a photo of her pushing a pram down a street in New York, hitting that pavement with two of her daughters in the pram and then uh, I think, and I quote, expertly even holding on to the one-year-old with just one arm. What, like Super mom. What a super mom. Like it's just 
this facetious kind of article of her pushing that, but then they'd also superimpose a photo of just her smiling and waving at the camera. Mm. So it looked like while on this outing with her kids, she was actually really happy to be papped, which was clearly not the case given what she ended up commenting under Daily Mail Mm. AU's Instagram posts. So she wrote, you edit together these images to look like I'm happily waving, but that is deceitful. The real story is my children were being stalked by men all day, jumping out and hiding. A stranger on the street got into words with them because it was so upsetting for her to see. When I tried to calmly approach the photographer you hired to take these pictures in order to speak to him, he would run away and jump out again at the next block. Do you do background checks on the photographers you pay to stalk children? Where is the morality here? I would like to know. Or do you simply not care about the safety of children? She goes on. It's quite an essay. She says it's frightening, it's upsetting that they're stalking her children and to stop paying grown-ass men to hide and hunt children. Um, There are plenty of photos you could have published without the kids. And so she says that the one of her smiling and waving next to them was some sort of um, deal that she brokered with this guy to say, please just leave us alone. I'll walk down the street by myself without my children. You can get as many photos of me as you want, which happens. And the reason that I know this happens, Lindy, is because it's happened to me before. Yeah. And I always just feel so sorry for people when you see them smiling and waving because you know, oh, I know how scary it is. I'll give you just a, a little tiny bit of an insight. I am not, I'm like not famous at all compared to these people who are like international celebrities and their lives must be just plagued by these sorts of issues. Once I was leaving work and someone followed me and I was like, okay, maybe this is um, just a coincidence. Maybe they're going in the exact same direction. Seems a little bit weird. So then I took like a left-hand turn and then they followed me on that. And then I did a U-turn and they followed me on that. And I was like, oh my gosh, this person is actually following me. The next day they did it again. And I was like, oh, my gosh, is this some sort of weird stalker moment? Is this And you're talking about it me? quite nonchalantly now, but I remember talking to you at the time, at the time and it was, it was so disturbing. Because I didn't know if it was someone who was trying to hurt me. It could have been like, I don't know, someone who was infatuated, some sort of weird thing. I mean, who knows? If someone's following you, it's a scary thing. And then finally, the next day, I noticed the car again following me. I pulled on my handbrake and just like pulled off to the side of the road, got out of the car and I was like, what are you doing? Where do you work? Uh, like, are you just, what What the heck is going on? And the guy sort of like jumped out uh, like into the bush and like hid, like the way that Blake Lively describes it. Mm. And then he was like, you took this job, you know that this is part of it. Oh. And I was like, no, actually, I'm a small woman. You are a huge man and you're following me. It's scary. It's terrifying, actually, because I don't know you. I didn't know that you were a photographer. I thought you could have just been some random creep. And then he's like, okay, well, all I want is a photo. So maybe if you just want to walk along the street and I'll get a photo and then I'll leave you alone. And did you do it? Yeah, I I did. Because like, what's the alternative? Then he follows me home and then like people know where I live or whatever. That idea that it comes with the territory. What do you think of that? Um... I didn't feel like that was fair because, yeah. like, I'm a journalist. My job is on the Today Show. Yeah. And, sure, my job is to go in and, like, talk about celebrities and have, like, a public profile and, you know, drive publicity so that we can get more viewers for the show and mm. deliver the content that people want to watch at home. But having people write and say awful things about you or, like, um, invade your privacy, I don't think is necessarily part of it. And this is where I think it gets complicated because, obviously, we're the ones – 
and we're all guilty of it, of clicking on these articles where you see pictures of people that are taken like without their consent or maybe with their consent, but like their arms, you know, sort of behind their back when they're doing it, you know, like Mm. it's not like they're doing it willingly and going out and courting this, except for the people. And this, this happens as well. Sometimes paparazzi or photographers will DM you and say, hey, where are you going to be today? If you want, I can come and take a photo. So if you look, if you feel like you look really beautiful or you feel like you want to, you know, promote something or you want some attention, then the, like some people on reality TV shows or mm. they'll tip them off and say, hey, yeah, I'm going to be getting a coffee in Bondi at this time. Do you want to come? And, <laughs> Great example. Yeah. Do you want to come and take a photo of me there? Or I'm going to be doing the Bondi to Bronte walk. Yeah. Come and take a photo of me and my friend there. And so like some people do actively court it. And that's a part of them building their profile mm-hmm. and building their brand. Because let's not forget as well that Daily Mail is, um, I think it might be like the biggest website in terms of page impressions in the country. So people are looking at it like it's a product. People are reading it. We can't yeah. on one hand say, how dare you? You can't take photos like that. You can't do that. But then on the other hand, people are actively consuming it. So Yeah. Especially when it comes with like how Blake is kind of laid down the gauntlet and said, I'm here, you can take a photo of me solo. You can. I will let you do that. But my kids, no. My kids are like that is the line that you can't cross. Do you know what I think is funny is no one's ever tried to take a photo of my pugs. Do they not think they're beautiful? I take photos of your pugs. Yeah, but you're like a paparazzi. Like no one's like, hey, we want to see the pugs' beautiful faces with snot running out of it and gunk in their eye. Come on. Oh, my God. I know that he got into the rubbish again. Give it to me. Is he eating his own poop? He's eating his own poop. That's what's going on. Yeah. That's what I'm going to try and do. If they do, I'm going to put the smiley face emoji over their faces too. Oh, my God. Can we please? (laughs) Yes. I might do it anyway. So, Lindy, we are mere days away from uh, the one of the biggest events since the pandemic kicked off, the Olympic Games. It's already been delayed by a year. Uh, the Japanese government decided to go ahead with the Olympics in Tokyo and surrounding cities. This is amid growing concerns in the city. There are 50,000 cases a day still in Japan. It is an epic number. And just the weekend just passed, the Sydney Swans and uh, the GWS Giants flew up to Metricon Stadium on the Gold Coast and landed only to find out that a bunch of the players had actually been exposed to COVID at another sporting match in Melbourne. So I was thinking, you know, one of the things that's really come up a lot in the last few months more so than ever before, is that we've been seeing all of these sporting matches around the world um, still able to go ahead, but unfortunately not the same sort of support for the arts. And so I thought it would be worth us just, I don't know, having a bit of a chat about it and seeing like what the merits are in still holding sport, but people not being able to go out and go to live music. Because you know, we're only a few days away as well mm. from um, Splendor XR yes, kicking exactly. off, um, which is going to be amazing. That's going to be lit. But we're all looking at it from lockdown. Yeah. It's not live. No, it's not live. But you're going to get these like world first performances from people like Khalid and all these artists that have been really turning their live performance into something that works on screen on, you know, for people to consume in a broadcast matter, which is the way that you've been watching the footy over the weekend mm. as well. So how do you feel about 
sporting events going ahead? So I think that sport actually plays a really, really important part in our culture. Um, I think that if you look at the way we talk about Aboriginal rights or, um, you know, Pride Weeks and Pride Months and stuff, sport is a big driver in the way that people think about and the way that our society changes. Also, you know, there are millions upon millions of people who are tuning in to watch Olympic Games around the world. Uh, There are hundreds of thousands of people who are tuning in to watch the Swans take on GWS on a Sunday afternoon when we're all stuck in our houses. And so on one hand, I'm like, yeah, it's sort of, it's unfair. And Mm. I don't like to see our friends who are all in music and and the arts have their shows cancelled and have people not be able to go along um, and see them and enjoy that face to face. But on the other hand, I'm like, well, you know, this sort of serves a different sort of purpose and it serves a different audience, you know, people who are stuck at home and would otherwise be maybe a little bit bored, maybe not have anything for the whole weekend to look forward to while we're in lockdown. I understand what you're saying. I do. I feel like music does the same thing. Like music and the arts is kind of the same. It hasn't been given the same opportunity. It's not like we live stream Splendour in the Grass generally or we would live stream, you know, festivals, but... Music hasn't really, like the arts hasn't really been given that opportunity in in the past. So saying that people or a community wouldn't be hungry for that, saying that people wouldn't look forward to that over their weekend or would want to spend their Saturday jumping around and watching like Billie Eilish up on stage, I think that sells it short and seeing how much that industry has like fallen over Mm. in this last year and a half, I feel like this is the time where we should be giving that a chance. And so that's why I, I do really look forward to seeing how something like Splendour VR's like virtual festival version of the incredible national festival will roll out and see whether there is a supply and, you know, a demand and then a supply of that sort of a, a product so that we can enjoy music and the arts as much as we get to enjoy sports. Because it yeah. is, it's about that camaraderie and that community. And, and I wonder what, that energy will be like. And yeah, I don't know. I've been thinking, like, how do you feel about the Olympics and stuff being in Japan? Because there's been that huge kind of backlash from locals. From locals. There are protests every day over there. I think it's really complicated because I think after the year and a half that the world has been through, for us to have some sort of unifying moment where we get to be proud of the people from our countries Mm. and we get to see them sort of representing us, I think is a truly wonderful thing. And I think that, you know, in that way, sport is really inspiring. And you see that, you know, a whole country can unite behind a team or a person. You know which race I would have really been interested to see us win? Uh, The vaccine race. (laughs) (laughs) I, I would have loved that. That would have, maybe that should have been at the yeah, Olympics. Yeah, we're not we're not quite winning. No, we're we're kind of down the tail end. We're coming of last. <laughs> we're maybe coming last. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with just a participation award. I've been one that <laughs> there has is been a participation case. award, but but there is yeah, there is in this case, and unfortunately, the sports and culture thing, the sports and the arts thing, is so complicated. I think. The thing is that when you see sporting venues like the MCG that are like half packed out and then you can't have a gig down the road at, um, you know, some uh, some space in St Kilda, like that's where it just gets 
a bit irksome and you're like, oh, come on, just let people go to a gig. <laughs> like, yeah, that sort of thing is really complicated. So I don't think we've answered anything other than to say that we need to be vaccinated and quickly so that we can all get back out and go to gigs and go to get, footy and do whatever the heck we want. Get the jab. Brooke Boney and Linda Mariano, The Dream Club. Speaking of music bringing us together, the artist that jumped onto the scene exploded, in fact, in 2019 with Dance Monkey, Tones and I, has released her debut album. It's out now. It's called Welcome to the Madhouse. It is getting critical acclaim. Fans are frothing over it. And Tones and I joins us right now to talk about this fantastic debut record. Tones, congratulations. How are you feeling? Hello. I feel really good about it. I'm really happy about it. <laughs> Why are you hesitating? Because <laughs> sometimes I try and think of the word, the right words to say and it feels like good's not enough. So then I said happy and then I told myself that is okay as well and that's fine. You can say those two words. Do you feel like it's a relief as well as like you feel happy and ecstatic and, you know, the feedback has been excellent? Like you've been working on this for quite some time and also there's this huge sort of expectation and pressure because you've had so much commercial success. Yeah, the pressure was huge. The pressure before the album was almost tipping me over the edge. I felt so unhappy. I actually spoke to someone for the first time in my life, which is crazy after everything I've been through. but I opened up and went and saw someone like a week before the album dropped. It was just too much. I couldn't, I didn't, I just hated it. Every single interview was started with, wow, everything that happened to you, this is going to go to number. And it's like, you can't think like that. And I'm telling myself not to, it's about the music, but it made me feel really like, oh crap. Like if it doesn't know, it's still a really exciting thing that I should be proud of. Is that what you learnt? through that process? I told myself that so many times, but towards the end when the album was about to get released, no amount of telling myself would would fix my mental state because I was already being told so many times other things and it was really scary for someone to hear, like, kind of that's what everyone expects when realistically, like, I spent so long making sure that I was vulnerable and on this album I wanted people to understand that I'd been through mental health and stuff, like that songs that might help other people too and loneliness and lockdown and the loss of a friend and I was so proud of it and then that kind of made me forget about all the, the proud moments I, I had. You know what I love about this record as well and hearing you talk about it then is that it is a direct reflection on that entire mentality. Like it's called Welcome to the Madhouse. You're talking about being in that madhouse. You're talking about being lonely and those points I really respect for having to prioritise those stories within your record. Was everybody on board with you talking about stuff in such a blatant way, Tones? Well, I think the song Lonely, like there's tracks. Everyone assumes you release your best tracks first. Your favourite ones, the best tracks of the album, you release first as singles. This wasn't the case. In this case, my favourite tracks weren't released as singles because I got told that they maybe they were a bit too much for 
fans will listen and, and relate to them when they listen to the album, but they're written too much to release the singles, even though to me they were so honest and raw and they make me feel the most. And when I released Lonely, that was a that was a big example. Like Lonely was going to be a single, but I got told it's a bit too much to talk about. It's a bit too too honest. You know, we like to talk about being lonely, but then we like to say things like "I'm lonely and I wish I had you back." Like just say something <laughs> like that. Don't say like depression, talking to someone, medication. Don't talk about that stuff. But the artists that I love and the reason I love them and growing up and mu- listening to music and feeling empowered or feeling like despair or loss or loneliness through music is because people talk about things that really resonated with me. And the only way you know for a fact you're going to resonate with at least one person is if you're being dead honest with yourself. Because a lot of the time we're all going through those same feelings and we feel the same way. But then it comes to music and we just want to make it fun and stuff. And and everyone knows I know how to make a fun tune, but I wanted to be honest with myself. I, I spent too many times writing songs about Jimmy and Johnny and Pat and Pete because I didn't want to say it was about me. And I didn't want to do that with this album. I wanted to be honest and show people this is how I feel. And if you're feeling that way too, then, you know, we feel that way together. Tones and I, (laughs) thank you so much for giving us your time today. And look, we're loving being in the madhouse with you. Have a listen to this (laughs) record because it's multifaceted. You've got those totally wonky, playful moments and you've got those darker times as well that you're tapping into. So you've bloody nailed it, baby. Thanks, guys. Thanks. This is a great chat. Oh, it's not very hard with you, you sweetheart. (laughs) (laughs) Dream Club. I am firmly in the camp of you do not need to peel your vegetables before you eat them. You can eat them with the skin on. In fact, it's good for you because it has fibre in it. I've been carrying a small fruit knife in my bag, not for protection, but so I can cut pears. <laughs> Don't get into any fights with your neighbours, because remember you might have to see them every day for the next two months, and it's going to be awkward. Become friends with them, because I locked myself out during lockdown last week, and I was stranded outside until a beautiful neighbour let me in. Let's dream. So I did a meditation this week and I thought it might be helpful for people because I've been seeing this dumb meme thingy getting around that's like, (laughs) hey, uh, even though we're all in the same storm, some of us are on a yacht, others are in a robot and some are drowning as a way to like justify their like (laughs) sadness because yeah, they're on a yacht, but guess what? It's still raining. Well, like I get that. And like everyone's struggle is, you know, it's all relative. But I did a meditation the other day and I thought it might be useful for those um, who are like sort of struggling with where their struggles fit in on this this scheme of the struggles, (laughs) you know. (laughs) The struggle ladder. The struggle ladder, that that infamous, you know, struggle period. (laughs) So I did a meditation and basically you imagine yourself sort of laying on the ground somewhere that you really like and then you slowly sort of extract um, the position that you're looking at yourself from. So like you're like laying there and you're on a beach, then you imagine the whole beach, then you imagine the whole city, then you imagine the whole country, and then eventually you imagine like the whole earth. And I have to tell you, I thought it was a bit woo-woo at first, but it genuinely made me feel so much better and made me realise that my struggles are, you know, they're valid, but also they're kind of small in the scheme of things and life will go on. I gave you a bit of sweet perspective. Gave me a sweet bloody perspective. I saw the world from outer space in my meditation. She climbed the ladder Mm. and looked down at the yacht. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I feel like 
I would be a rowboat. I'm not drowning, but I'm not on a yacht, am I? Maybe I am on a yacht. I don't, I don't know. Oh. I'm on a canoe. Are you? I'm on a paddleboard. I'm on a floating piece of wood no, yelling I'm... out for my jack. I'm floating around on a door in the storm. <laughs> Will someone let me in? No! Brookie, this week my dream call update is coffee related. I know that I've spoken to you about Ooh, coffee before. Yes. Remember? Spill the tea. Spill or the, the tea. coffee, as it were. Spill the coffee beans. So I was telling you that, you know, sometimes I overindulge a little bit too much in coffee. I look too much forward to it. I have probably too much a day. You told me I had to have the firm midday cutoff because yeah, otherwise I would get a bit stressed. I'd poop too many times or I just wouldn't get to sleep. So here's my new update. I go to my favourite cafe and I'm ordering decaf. I'm going decaf, baby. I do you know what? I love this for you because because <laughs> you know how much I know how I drink. much coffee you drink, and I think coffee is one of those things that people don't realize it's actually causing them like you know a mm-hmm. bit of not harm. I'm not saying it's carcinogenic no, it's or something, but it just is a bit disruptive. And because I've cut down to one coffee a day, if I have any more than that, I realize it does make me feel a bit anxious. It does make me poop too much. All of the things. You don't need any more help doing those things. No, I'm good exactly. at being anxious. I'm good at pooping. Yeah. It's cool. So good on I'm you, going, decaf thank baby. You. And I've been doing it for almost the last week and I have not noticed a drop in my like energy levels at all. So the placebo be working, baby. Oh boy. And with that decaffeinated perk in your step in mind, also you don't need to give up coffee. You're great with it. Um, we're going to be back next Wednesday. But until then, please join our Dream Club and follow us at the Dream Club podcast on Instagram. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode because you don't want to miss next week's. We have a very special surprise for you. It involves presents. So leave us a cheeky review, tag us in a pic, show us where you're listening from and go and tell your friends. Love you. Do it. Do it. Okay. Got it. I'm losing my goddamn mind out here. Listener.